All right, here we are again, another week down. This is really good. You know, when we talk about health and wellness, we don't sometimes think about the mental health and wellness of others. You know, and there's been a lot of key findings going on in, in the nation right now. In the past two years, taking a toll on Americans' mental health, especially at work because of the P word, the pandemic, right? We're so sick of hearing that, right? But it is what it is. And more than one in four employees have quit a job for just the sake of their mental health. And another 20% have just considered just doing so. So again, uh, being overworked, lack of work, life balance, inadequate compensation, whatever it may be, there's so much more going on uh, to make sure that we understand our mental health so we can function better in society. we got a couple great guests here today they are going to talk about. One who's a repeat guest, and this time she brought her brother. This guy knows it all. He's a clinical psychologist. Coming up next on The Bob Jeswald Show. Personal power. People positive. The community of connection. This is The Bob Jeswald Show. Okay, transforming minds. What do you think of that for this segment this week? This is going to be really good here. And better uh, that they transform minds is to get the two people who are the best of the meeting of the minds. And again, always start with ladies first. Uh, our wonderful Beatrice Cassiano. Alan is in the house from the yeah. Dream Center, but she's got a lot of points she wants to make today. And her brother, the wonderful Vin Diesel lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get you, that a lot. Do you have that deep voice too? He does in a strange way. The f Fast and Furious sitting yeah, right next to him. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I had to save that. But you are a clinical site. You heard that a lot, don't you? Yeah, I hear it all the time. You kind of built like Vin Diesel too. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Okay, I wish so. I had Vin Diesel money. I <laughs> know. Yeah, yeah, that's that good. Would be great. I know. <laughs> He's got, he could be his brother. How about that? Um, we have Noel Cassiano here with us. He's a uh, clinical psychologist and a system professor of psychology at University of Hartford, Connecticut. And it's great to have you up here. Oh, no, it's, it's great to be here. I think this is my second time in Columbus, so... This is great. I'm enjoying it. And you, you saved the time here to come here live in person. We really appreciate that. Thanks to your sister facilitating everything here. She's yeah. been on a previous episode of the Bob Jeswold Show talking about the Dream Center that helps out our community. And again, when we're transforming minds today, guys, this is important. You know, I, I gave some statistics and talked about one in four people. I mean, it's just, just on the surface of uh, just considering quitting their jobs or whatever it may be. What, what's causing folks to go through this, this, this time where, and you think there's a ramp up because of COVID or is this something ongoing? It just, this was the icing on the cake. I think that what COVID did was just kind of highlight what we were already struggling with, right? So when we look at anxiety, anxiety disorder is the number one diagnosed mental health condition in this country. And this is before COVID. So you, you take anxiety, right, that we've been struggling with, and a lot of people, because of the stigma behind mental health, they didn't want to come forward and say, hey, these are the ways that I'm struggling and I really need support. Um, it's really hard to do that. So it really takes a lot of courage for somebody to come or step forward and say, this is, what I, this is how I'm struggling and I need help, I need support. So what COVID did was just highlight all of that. Okay, so this that that... That to me makes sense. What I've witnessed a lot with a lot of younger kids in this generation, I'm in my 50s, I'll say I'm 57 years old, but I see a lot of younger kids that are taking a lot of, uh, what's the stuff that makes you relax, a little little pill once a day? Uh, uh, like, well, like Prozac. Oh, Prozac or yeah. Give me another one. Uh, we're all looking at it. Prozac's probably the number Prozac's one. Prozac's probably, probably the a lot. One. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're, they're taking this. And, and I don't, now, now, this is me old school. 
But I used to remember, like, the, you know, the whole ADHD. I was a hyperactive kid, too. Are yeah. all boys <laughs> hyperactive? You were probably, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm I pretty mean, sure I'm uh, uh, still that not way. diagnosed. I know, yeah. But it, wor- it works for me right I now. I know, it does, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times my wife has said to me, she goes, God, you got, like, ADHD. You come out. I'm just always been that way. In fact... When I was younger, my mom said they had me in Ritalin for a very short time in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Realized it wasn't a good thing. Yep. Excuse me, I got the hiccups now as I got my ADHD and my <laughs> vocal cords. But they backed off of it, and then I went. I resumed normal activities after that. But but I'm but this is normal. It used to be or the belt or get a switch. It's like these kids. We're not. Is it because we're not disciplining? They they can't handle a little bit of elevated voice, or if you give them too much, they cl- they just can't handle it. Or is it because of this technology? There you go. What yeah, do you think? Well, it's a combination of a couple things. Yeah. I think that you know the fact that we don't have this life balance correct, right? So mm-hmm. you know we don't have an opportunity to be a kid, to go outside, and just to kind of be social. Thank you. A lot of children and adolescents nowadays they struggle with social skills because of you know, these right. smartphones and video games. I'm not saying smartphones and video games are bad, but when it takes away from our opportunity to be relational and to, to be able to spend time with our loved ones and our peers, relational kind of wealth or health is really important, and we're struggling with that right now. Oh, you're not kidding. It, it, you're just not making eye contact anymore. When you talk, look at me when I talk to you, these young kids, not you guys, literally, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, Lewis, look at me. How, Lewis, is, <laughs> Lewis, how old are you, Lewis? Uh, he's our director here today. Like, <laughs> yeah. 22. 22. Yeah. Okay, you're 22. But you. And you he still hasn't looked at you. He still hasn't <laughs> looked at me. Come on, Lewis, what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I, you didn't see. You didn't yeah. listen to what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassing. I'm going to make him blush here. But, but, it, but it's, it, there's some, there's, it's just, that's it. I mean, my kids are the same way. Then there's millennials that are kind of in the middle. It's all about me. What am I going to get my needs first? Yeah. We think of others, our generation, we're taught, and, you know, you help out your neighbor, you give the shirt off your back, you do your kid. Th- these, th- a lot of these kids today, it's what's in it for me first. I got to take care of me. Yeah. And then I'll, th- I'll think about you or there's no um, reciprocating. Um, and we get into, you know, a little bit of Beatrice's uh, life with her husband, who's a pastor. But, I mean, there, there's some of that, too. What about the values in getting back to grassroots, you know, f- from, you know, wherever you stand, from yeah. having somebody higher up to, to, to have some reverence and some Or, or being kind to other yeah, people. Right, like yeah. we, we, we're losing that value. It's pretty sad. So you're here for a good reason. You, you know, it's your second trip to Columbus, <laughs> Georgia. Your sister fell in love with it, and she fell in love with a great guy, too. <laughs> but... But what do we do? How do you transform a mind? Really, it, it, this is this is to me. If I, it, you should be a millionaire if you can help transfer. I mean, we're I don't know where to start. Well, I think the first thing we need to do is educate, educate, educate. Right? When you educate someone about how mental health, emotional health, um, can really impact not just our psychology but even our physiology. Okay. You know that when we are not well psychologically, our bodies respond to that. And we're seeing, you know, when we look at, especially, you know, in the minority community, the black and brown community, we start to see these kind of uh, health disparities is because a lot of times is, you know, untreated anxiety and trauma that causes all these physiological and kind of medical conditions it's and crazy because you and i use and i say that loosely but it it, it does i mean it's cr- you if you're not in a good frame of mind it could l- literally f- it keep saying f- physiology that the physical aspects of your life can be impacted which you don't think how can mental health 
that's you know impacting the way you you physically can be. I mean, it could actually cause a disease, right? Yeah, all my doctoral studies was on the impacts of anxiety, especially trauma. And there's a stress hormone when you're under, you know, when you're stressed out, when you are highly anxious, or even struggling with past traumas that you're not dealing with. There's a stress hormone called cortisol. So cortisol is the hormone that is good if you're under attack. Like, let's say you're walking down the street and this mean pit bulls coming at you and you need to respond in order to survive. Right. Cortisol Mm -hmm. says, you know, we need to respond, you know, start running, you know, fight for your life. You know, the fight, flight, freeze response. That's good for a temporary response for survival. But when you're constantly under attack because of undiagnosed or um, untreated stress and trauma and anxiety, that that cortisol is continuously being pumped into your body and cortisol attacks our vital organs. And that's how we get physically sick. From anxiety and, and, and that's what causes a little bit of the core of the belly when we say about belly fat or the you know we get all that kind of stuff we get be, be because of that I mean, yeah it's just heart disease mm-hmm. um inflammation of the body inability to fight you know common you know kind of colds and stuff like that and even has been found to be certain causes of cancer which yeah, yeah, is yeah, really serious. really amazing so that could take time but if we're in an acute situation somebody needs some help like right now I mean, what do we do? What can we do to temper that? Is there any so fast and furious solutions? <laughs> 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 there Vin Diesel? Yeah, good way to slip it in there. Uh, right? like, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. Every time I look at you, I keep seeing Vin Diesel, <laughs> his brother. It's been the laugh when he smiles like that. Look at that. You can see it. Oh, Beatrice, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, says I'm it. sorry. And it's funny. And I never said that was not even. I just I couldn't wait to open up the mic today to say it. But I didn't mean to digress. Yeah, but yeah. what would you? How would you answer that? Well, it's a it's a combination, right? So first yeah. is finding support number two psychotherapy and you know i'm not a big proponent on medications medications are helpful in some certain you know circumstances but not all the time okay. but number one being able to surround yourself with a supportive environment and community so your family has to be healthy your home environment has to be healthy connecting with a community like a community of faith or just you know your overall community where you live all those things are important kind of foundational aspects so that then you feel safe enough to then say, okay, now I'm, I'm going to seek a mental health professional to talk about some of these things that are, are kind of hurting or you know, adversities or traumatic histories that I've never talked about. And then you start to feel better. And that's the way to, you know, kind of feel um, wow. overall. Success. Okay, see, that makes sense. And you just hit on something that I was going to, you know, and Beatrice, you're nodding. I know your your ability to bring in more of the faith or some spirituality in your neck of the woods Absolutely. to get people focused on stuff, too. So what you're going about it with this, you know, um, you know, changing, Transform- transforming, transforming minds. minds. So tell me how this transformed to you because you thought, hmm, you know, my brother here does this. I think this would really help. In my communities, tell me how you're going to adopt that for some of your folks that come in. I think, um, you know, we all, we come from a family of mental health um, professionals and and I think it's in our blood, it's in our DNA. I didn't, and and this is all new to me. That's very fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah, so my my brother's a psychologist and then I have a younger brother that he is a doctor in social work as well. Wow, that's a great family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I'm excited, but... um, 
Um, for me, I think um, I shared, um, I was talking with someone this past week, and, you know, we had gone through some, we lived, we have the same mother, same father, lived in the same home, but we experienced different forms of trauma. And yes. a lot of people say, well, how did that happen? You guys lived in the same home. And, you know, but we, we unfortunately experienced different situations and different challenges. But, you know, I think from that, from that situation, um, I think it kind of made us aware of wanting more out of life, wanting to improve ourselves and our minds. Um, and that's when we became, you know, more of, of an advocate to serve in the community and help others. And um, he is also a pastor, so I just wanted to throw oh, that in there. No, I yeah. did not. Jeez, I, I wanted this. to throw that in there. Oh, yes. this just runs in a fit. Well, then so no wonder faith you're very faith. comfortable. Isn't yes. this? Yeah, so I, I think there's something to be said about that. You have to be attached to something. What is faith if... If somebody's agnostic and they're they're just, do you try to sway them into the faith based arena to feel some kind of sense of belonging? Or what do you do in a situation like that? Because it's hard to, without preaching to somebody, yeah. How, how do you get one to say, you know, come on board here? And and it, it's crazy to me when people would rather not do that. They're, they're like turn against something that's so good. Why? You yeah, know? I, I I strongly believe that we are psychological beings. We are biological beings, but we're also spiritual beings. And in order to have overall kind of holistic health, you have to be healthy in all three aspects. So psychologically, okay. biologically, right? Right, right. And um, also uh, spiritually. Yeah, and it seems to be right in line with what you were saying, Beatrice. When you say the three of you, your siblings, there's three of you, uh -huh. You 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 you've all dealt with something, and how comfortable you are about talking about that. But it's amazing how three successful children came out of the situation. Who was your influencers? Was it mom, dad, or was it neither, or was it both? Or did you guys kind of separate from the home to say, "Look, we got to do something here." It's a, it's incredible to see your story because something must have tripped. Even if you, because I know a lot of people come out of a bad situation, and it it's still a bad situation or even worse. But there are some stories people come out of bad turn out really really good, especially. Some kids who are very poor, they grew up and they turn out to be some of the richest people in the in the world. And I mean that physically and, and uh, probably mentally, too. Yes. I think um, you have to you have two options, right? You either could continue the cycle or you can break the cycle. And so, you know, it's up to that individual to actually act to have the 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 mentality, but also just be around others that can influence them and that can, you know, um, for me, I will say I had a mentor. M unfortunately, my mom had, after, right after high school, my mom sent me away to live with my aunt. And she was um, a business owner, so I was able to kind of experience and see a different life. And so because of that, you know, I was able to, to want more out of life. I knew that I had to change um, my life. And, and I think for him, you know, he gravitated towards, like, the faith base. So I'll, you know, if you want to share <laughs> on that. And well, yeah, it was kind of a, a, a trajectory of, okay, growing up in a violent home, mm -hmm. right? My, my dad was physically abusive towards my mom. Mm -hmm. A lot of domestic violence, um, homelessness, living mm -hmm. in shelters, growing up in poverty, kind of in that environment, right? And then what, what culminated the most traumatic kind of experience for me was witnessing the, the death of my brother, right? Wow. So all of that so happened. This is a fourth brother. And I'm only and yeah, I'm only okay. six years old. Right? Oh. So all of this has occurred and I'm only six years old. So then, you know, kind of trying to manage and deal with all of that, right? Um, and I was one of those types of kids. I was really quiet. I was sitting in the back. You you would never even notice me, right? right? Because sure, sure. I was kind of an internalizing kid, what we call, right? There's externalizing kids that right. will 
act out. I hate saying right. that word. No, and but then I there's those internalizing kids that will just kind of like, kind of just go in and just kind of hide. But I'm afraid that they may explode. Someday. And they they yeah. may explode. And that right. happened to me, right? In, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a way that I had to eventually understand that I had to deal with some of these um, childhood, adolescent kind of traumatic histories. But I say what saved me was having a um, external kind of uh, family, right, which included uh, uncles, my grandparents that I, you know, that, that meant the world to me, but also mentors, right? Right, uh, sure. Beatrice was talking about mentors, and I had three specific mentors, and I recorded a TEDx on it. Yeah, right. Um, that really kind of helped me understand that there were certain potentials in me that I wasn't even seeing for myself. So when you have those mentors in your life that say, hey, we see this in you, we see this ability in you, then you start to kind of surround yourself with those positive community and, and mentors, and that's how I made it out. This it, is an it, incredible It wasn't story. because of me. It yeah, wasn't right, because right. of my own understanding and knowledge. It was sure. because of the community that I was surrounded by. Touching on community, which I think is really big. I just wanted to ask, too, and, and again, my condolences. That's got to be so hard to see your brother. It, it was, this, was this traumatic? Was this an accident, or is it just? Yeah, it was an accident. Um, he fell from a, a window in Hartford, and, oh. and, you know, and then imagine the guilt that I was feeling because he was looking for me, right? Oh, okay. So, was he old? So he, this is your baby he, brother? My baby He's brother. Yeah. I was six. He was three. Oh. And, oh. you know, and I was I was one yeah. and yeah. he was three. So yeah. I was still a baby. Now, how's your other brother? How was he affected by he's that he was in between you two guys? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. our other brother is yeah. from um, another um, gotcha. a mom. But, you know, we share. But, but we share the same history because of our dad, dad yeah. is a common our, denominator. Our dad was. Yeah. You know, and again, I don't say uh, and I don't bring my dad up in a way he had his own struggles mm-hmm. right yeah right his own mental health struggles his own substance abuse struggles he did bad things he wasn't a bad person it's funny so we can we can both relate to that yeah. I, I i was on a i have a very similar situation yeah. it so happened with me you yeah, know eventually I was nine years old when my parents left but it's very very similar story i saw my mom get beat up yeah so it's, it's not a good good thing but it changed me in many ways yeah. it really has it really has and i think it is for the better because i had good people around me to yes. remind me, don't ever do this. Yes. I saw it once. It wasn't re- repeating, but there was a lot even with me, the impatience and that and, and the drug use and stuff like that. But like you said, my dad's still got a good heart. I know he means well. Yeah. He's he's 80 now, but he's going through. He has a lot of opioid kind of addictive yeah. personality kind of stuff, and he's still dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Even it, It'll affect you for a long time. Yeah. doesn't go away. Doesn't but go away. I didn't mean it. But I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but, yours, but it's it's – it's tough as kids, as you know, and and I like to hear this because I don't uh, anybody listening to this. There's there is a way out, and yeah. community could be the the way to do it. Was it your mom, like Beatrice, that said, "Hey, look, well, I'm going to put him, I'm going to put you here to be mentored this way," or is this something you just kind of fell into? Yeah, well, my mom was instrumental in making yeah. sure, like making school education a priority, making family yeah. a priority, That's right? Good. Yeah, making faith a priority. Um, she did all, it. That's those, good. all those things that yeah. she did. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't easy. You talk about, you know, I'm the oldest in the family. Yeah. My mom had me when she was 16 years old. Yeah, so imagine that. Wow, so wow, being yeah. 16, taking care of a newborn, yeah. having to drop out of school, and then, you know, dealing with all the other domestic violence and all that. So yeah. 
it, it was really hard. So yeah. I give, I have so much love and admiration for single moms. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That yeah. it's unbelievable. You know, yeah. they're the strongest women in the world. Oh heck yeah, yeah. It's incredible how they can do that. That that's wonderful. So community. You know, transforming minds now coming into place. I could see how this is all kind of coming together. Yeah. You bring Noel down here, Yay. and you're smiling from ear to ear. Yes. How is it going to help the community here by what you're doing? Well, I think um, for the most part, I have not s- I have not personally seen a mental health um, seminar or conference here in Columbus, and this is something that I've always had in in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's kind of heightened because of the pandemic and just seeing how the need um, for people receiving services or even becoming aware, because a lot of times people will have um, symptoms of, of um, anxiety or depression, or um, but they won't even know that it exists or that they, they have those symptoms or what they look like. And so for me, it was just bringing awareness. So Transforming Minds is bringing awareness to the community and for community um, to get to become aware, number one, and if they need help, get the help that they need because we're going to provide resources as well. There's going to be like the health department is going to be there. We're going to have some private practices that are going to be there as well, sharing information for those that identify and say, oh my goodness, maybe that's me that, you know, I'm experiencing some of those symptoms or maybe a child or a family member, but being able to to get the resources and getting the help that they need. Um, I think that's the first thing, you know, educate, awareness, um, you know, um, and then and, and being receptive to, to say, you know what, it's that time for me to make a change because no one is going to change you. You have to allow yourself, you have to accept, um, you know, you have to accept yourself from within and say, you know what, I'm going to take the step forward to better my mental health because when I better my mental health, I'm going to make better decisions and I could be better for my family. I love it. How do you do this? Go back to what Noel said, because the challenge to me, I'm like, if I'm in your shoes, I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out, well, how the heck am I going to get the kid who's the introvert or the one who holds it or that person who holds everything internally? How do you get them to come? How to show up to one of these? Who's? How do you get someone to get that person? Because I, I'm afraid, I'm thinking the person that's like us, we're, we're obviously very extroverted kind of people. We, you know, we're open, we're okay. Even thank goodness for that. And But the one that's not, uh, you know, I worry about that one. How do we, how do we, find that person is it's like the needle in the haystack or is if they're yeah i think i think the number one thing you have to be able to understand is recognizing i call them the characteristics right because symptoms is you know a little kind of uh medical kind of terminology but recognizing the characteristics this is what someone struggling with depression looks like right okay these are the characteristics these are the characteristics of someone struggling with trauma or with anxiety because once we recognize those characteristics, then we can support that individual. And if they're ex- internalizers or externalizers, um, we can be able to say, hey, come along. You know, I have these sup- these resources that I can share with you so that you can get the supports that you need or I'll come with you. Right. I think it's it's, it's really important to do. So that. I think even transforming mind seminar yeah. mm-hmm. is great to have here because you go back to what you said before, educate, educate, educate. So we're educating people to to do these little little points to identify so we can be able to, to find that person that needs that. You know, you could see a child in a classroom. Uh, the day of this podcast, I happen to be out in a, a school farther south here. And these are these are kids, um, a, a lot of them, I don't want to say, I hate using the word at risk. Is that a good word to use nowadays? Yeah. Is that, it yeah. seems like it's such a negative. Yeah. What, what's a better word to use than that? I hate that word. I just... Well, 
well, we would know. just say kids that are un- it sounds kids like you're putting them in support. Yeah, there you the go. kids that need support. You know what? There Let's just go. say that kids <laughs> that, these kids may need a little more support, and no fault of their own no. or their parents. I no. mean, these are some enlisted parents yeah. in the military that that are, are lower ranked. They're they're called non commissioned officers, NCOs. They come in, maybe don't have an education, yeah. maybe have several kids, and the mom's at home. She has no outlet. She's trying to balance this. Dad's deployed. You know, yeah. not, not at home most of the time. Easy. It's a very tough thing, and I we that's why we do a lot of work with the kids there to show our support. Good. Using the word support, there, you know, <laughs> the kids that need support. But I can identify. I'm not a. I don't have your degree, and I don't have your experience in, <laughs> in that. But I. But they're just being around long enough. You see some of these kids. You look in their eyes, and I could kind of see that kid. God, you know, they there's something going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, is that a good unction? Do you take that away and say, is that one of the checklists we may have to to find that one child? Or yeah, to to be able to recognize that. Recognize. Yes. Yes, but also be you have to be careful not to label something because that kid might yeah, be having a bad day. day. Okay, so that's if true. I think if you see symptoms like during you know if you if you're going for like weeks at a time and you're kind of seeing the same type of symptoms, but if it's an experience or you know sometimes um, if like how you said the dad is deployed, so if that just recently happened, so then of course sure. right that and that's normal because it's going to have an effect on the child. But if you see it for a long period of time, that's when you're like, wait a second, and then. That makes, make that makes sense. But we you can't ignore. We no, I, we I, think, I think we've uh, in this country, we've been really good at ignoring things mm, until it good. blows up in our face. Sure. Oh, so oh you're not kidding. Ignore it. it happens in the businesses we're in, too, and a lot of the local you know, businesses. But I hear what you're saying, too. Yeah. Let's not rush to judgment on day one. You know, maybe that would be a good time for me to maybe even – it's okay to even say to the teacher, did you know the so-and-so? Mm-hmm. She might say, yeah, they've been or they have not or something yeah. like that. But mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. But you're right. It, we ignore a lot. It's easy to put it, sweep it under the, the you know, the, the the mat, so to speak, under the table because you know, right now, you know, just don't have time for it today. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a bad place to be. And I think too, with with what you just said. Um, maybe there's a lot of people that don't want to deal with it because they're dealing with so much Mm -hmm. on their own or, you know, in their own environment that they don't want to deal with anybody else. And so that might be like ignorance. Yeah. Well, it's one of the ways that the brain responds, right? So think about this when you're hurting or when you're struggling with some type of traumatic experience and it's too painful and you can't deal with it, your brain says, this is too painful. We need to check out. So a lot of times our brain dissociate. Doesn't make That's us really psychotic. No, we okay. just dissociate because we say this is too painful. We don't have the energy right now to deal with it. So we become numb to our reality. That's crazy. It's and, it's and it's our brain's way to. It's just a survival mode of our brain. To we dissociate. may not be doing it consciously then. Nope. They say, I always thought, so it's not like somebody's like sitting there going, I'm just not going to deal because I'm just putting it out like compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. But it's not about that. This is a physical feature of our brain yeah. that can physically shut off this emotion. Our brain dissociates, we become numb, and we kind of walk in this world in, in kind of this unrealistic kind of state. But it's also uh, that dissociation of our brain of what you know traumatic experiences or memories also gets repressed and then subconsciously now we start having nightmares and all these th- but that's just the brain we don't saying, know why it's coming here hey yeah. we've checked out temporarily or maybe yeah. during this season because right now we can't deal with this but the brain is reminding you we still need to do something about this or else it's going to have not only psychological, emotional, but even physical consequences. Leave it to the professionals yes. because this is something that 
I would assume that you don't sometimes want to delve into that with somebody. Sometimes you can do it and it can make people even shut off even more Yeah. if we don't know the right approach to use. So do we go, if we identify this, do we go to one of you guys? That are, and it just, again, Beatrice, your, your background, because you're certified in so many different things. What is your, just let everybody know again. No, I'm, I'm a master social, social work. Social mm-hmm. work. Social so work. you're at, yeah, master social, MSW, and, and then uh, clinical psychologist. So they both kind of go hand in hand again. But do, what do you do? Call somebody who's in a social worker or call somebody who's a clinical psychologist and say, hey, uh, just want to let you know, Joe Smith down the road here is at work. I think he's going to explode one of these days. Is there a way you can or do you just try to tell me what to do or try to or do we, you know, how do we how do you do that? Because I think there's so many times you hear all these crazy things that happen in business. If somebody gets fired, they come back. You know, not everybody's yeah. going to do that. But I think a lot of that, again, is that the employers are ignoring that because yeah. I can tell you, even where I work, there's things that are happening all the time. We all we c- it's the elephant in the room for mm-hmm. God's sake, and nobody says a doggone thing about it. And you go to your people, and they just don't want to touch it in fear of lawsuits, or they just you know, or they walk on eggshells around that person for whatever reason. W- w- and I know I this is we're gonna uh, let you guys handle. It. How do we I deal think, with this? Um, it's it, and the more and more um, you know, life is happening and the world is changing and things are occurring. Um, a lot of employers really need to um, bring awareness um, and also implement a plan, um, you know, because you just don't know when people are, what are, what they're dealing with. And so I think the mental health aspect really needs to be a part of a lot of employers, you know, employee, whether it's a a employee assistance plan where they can get a certain amount of sessions where they can go get therapy. And then, you know, from an employer standpoint, they can offer those, but I think it needs to be um, talked about a little bit more um, at all employment areas, especially those that are highly stressed employment areas. They need to find out whoever they insure with, like the EAP, like you just said, employee assistance program, we have it. Yeah. But people, they don't know or they don't realize it's this little thing pitched, you know, it's sitting up there on a bulletin board and you've got all this stuff. But until somebody physically comes in, it, it, let's talk about it, maybe have a monthly staff meeting or whatever. You know, we do with yeah. United Way. They'll come in and they'll do their pitch and it's great. But we, we need to do a little bit more of that because I think you're right. It, it's, it's, you know, just having it there. It's like an AED machine. If you go, <laughs> your heart goes in AFib. And how do you use the doggone yeah, thing? Yeah. It sits there, but what the heck good is it? We've never had training. There's one right in the back. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not being, being yeah. facetious, but why not, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so that people have to know there are supports, there are resources, but uh, maybe they don't know how to access. Maybe they might need some guidance in that. Um, but also thinking about, you know, how people struggle, it, it's highly individualized. So, you know, I, I'm certified in so many different types of therapy, <laughs> TFCBT, EMDR, DBT, IFS, you know, think about it. Um, but I think, you know. What do they stand for? What does <laughs> those stand for? <laughs> yeah, that's my curiosity. <laughs> I just want to know what the heck those stand for. I want to see if I, if I fall in any of those categories. Well, uh, my, my kind of, uh, I think that what's really good for trauma is uh, this model called EMDR, okay. eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Ah, right? the guy in the sand, so did you kill that person? <laughs> oh no, of course so not. You know, I don't, I so don't know this. it mimics yeah. it mimics the way the brain um, you know when you're in REM sleep and you're and you're and you're, okay. you're you're in your dream state, you're processing some, you know, emotional or psychological kind of either desires or either traumas or whatever. Mm-hmm. So EMDR kind of does the same thing and it and it helps kind of reprocess some of that uh, trauma that, that you have. But 
the way that our brain responds, depending on what symptoms, what characteristics the person is struggling with, right. it might need a, s- a specific type of um, treatment. Like EMDR is good for trauma. You know, there are other um, models that are good for anxieties, other for relationally kind of based struggles. Because the way our brain works, I know we're on we're on radio, right, or right, a podcast. Yeah. But if you think about it, if you hold, we your have video too. This one, which <laughs> is good, at wrbl.com. This they're seeing you right now do this, but okay. if it's on, if it's other spot, you know, Spotify, iHeart, or Audible, or you know, uh, Apple, it's going to be totally well, different. Well, imagine if you're if you have your hands closed with your thumbs up, and then you kind of flip it, right? Okay, see if you get the camera. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking so, at the video of you doing so this. So this is our brain, uh, our our brain uh, spinal cord, right? Okay. Then we have our brain stem. We have our diencephalon, our midbrain. We have our limbic area of the so brain. And then we have our cortex, okay. which is our smart part of the brain, right? So okay. spinal cord, right, sends all the signals back and forth to from our brains to our body. That's why neurobiology, we know that our bodies and our brains are interconnected because okay. of our spinal cord. But the brain stem is the part of the brain that manages those things you don't have to think about, breathing, heart rate, sure. you know, all those kind of automa- automatic kind of systems that we have the brain stem manages that then we have our midbrain that it has to do everything around arousal so appetite you know stuff like that and then our limbic area of our brain is our relational brain so when we're hanging out with family right we're we're, you know we're having a a good time we're using our limbic part of our brain because it's, it's our relational part of our brain and then when we're in school and we're learning all these kind of high-level things and, and we're using our brains for, you know, making decisions, then we're using our cortex, right? So we know that neuroscience says that our brain fully matures at the age of 25. So think about how children can still be struggling with any types of, you know, social, emotional kind of conditions. How can, yeah, they're not going to be making the best decisions, right? That's sure. why I say adolescence is a psychological disorder, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. We make some really, (laughs) you know, not so (laughs) smart decisions because our brain is not fully mature. And when you think about it, the insurance companies know that. So why... You that's know, why at, that's why rates are so high at twenty. Now yeah. that makes sense. So, and then that's like the hard, you're from Hartford, Connecticut. The Hartford, we're speaking <laughs> of insurance company here. here. Yeah. <laughs> now we know why they're gouging us up to twenty five. Because uh, I always thought this is crazy. Yeah. Why would I? Why do they charge? Oh, you're twenty six all of a sudden because yeah. a brain hasn't fully matured. I never brain knew that. I learned something matured. big today. What a moment we could use in this segment <laughs> right here. That, that would be the if he tries to put that one moment. This is the moment yeah. right here. Yeah, so, remember that. So now that we yeah. know that the brain have different functions areas of functioning so now if i'm struggling in my marriage yeah is tfcbt gonna work for me trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy not really because tfcbt is good for processing trauma but not relationally based struggles so So this is all physiological we're not talking about so much you got a mental illness it this is physiological and we that could be misdiagnosed, you know, because yeah. a lot of times we'll say, man, the dude is, you know, she's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And yeah. I didn't mean that lightly. Yeah. It may be physiological that's causing these these uh, these these moments or their behavioral issues. And, and it can be curbed by proper diagnosis. And, and I would never in a million years even thought of that. Yeah. I mean, I like the levels, the way you describe that. you got to see the this video portion. The thumb is the stem. And then each layer of the fingers do mean something that, yeah. that works so, throughout the brain. So think about all that. But then we know neuroscience talks about 
interuterine experiences, right? So okay. you're in the womb. Okay. And, yeah. you know, old school psychology used to say. We're getting a Sigfried, a Sigmund Freud. Old school psychologists. Yeah. Old school psychologists yeah. used to say, or, you know, the field of psychology, that we're born a blank slate. That's not that's not correct know. anymore. Now that we sure, have sure. neuroscience information, we know that our interuterine experience, based on our mom's world, right, right, begins to wire our brain in a specific way. So now, by the time we're born, we're born with a specific temperament based on that kind of womb experience. Wild, because I would think the Latin term of that is what tabula rasa. Tabula rosa. Oh, so rusa. I didn't say there. Yeah, tabula yeah, rusa. Not no, true anymore. Not true anymore. We're not born a blank slate. We have this kind Good, of huh? developmental history from the time that we're born. Wow. Or wow before we're born. So that, that that is fascinating. So we, you know, you're born, you know, in water and out of water, and you think if then we can use the, the the reference of our faith in Christianity, you know, yeah. you know, baptismal, so to speak. But you come out of the womb, and there, there's there's already things to be said about that. Yeah. So, so um, boy, we can have a whole other show on that. I know, right? But I know. I was just gonna say, but but this is this is what I find to be most important that people understand. We got is trying to somehow identify and get these people up to the forefront. We, you're going to be doing this. Is there any other things that you guys? What are you working at up in Hartford, similar to what Beatrice is working with here in Columbus, Georgia? Is there any? Because this is your day to day job. So you you get people. They're, they're being somebody's writing a script. I picture that, and, and you know, go 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 see Noel Cassiano, you know, and and he's going to uh, give you some t- type of diagnosis to see if we can work something out here. Is that is that fair? Is that what they would typically? Yeah. Do? Well, you know, uh, what I like to do is just again educate and then support people. And yeah, in my private practice, you know, I do a lot of trauma based treatment because that's where I that's where I, you are. Yeah, that, you that's know, that's really focused. Well, you in that. practice what you preach, and it's it, it's. It, it's interesting how, to me, I'd want to go to you because you've experienced that in your life. So you can, you can kind of relate to somebody who's had trauma or had had something difficult. Um, it, it, and I, the first episode I had on the Bob Jeswell show, and, and sort of digressing by what I'm trying to make a point, was Mike Schlitz. He, he was he's an Army Ranger, and he was leading some guys in Afghanistan, and his unit uh, they they took on you know fire, so they they, they were ambushed, and um, he. Even when they're attacked, they're attacked. Even if it was an IED that blew up, they're still attacked. That's how it's say, you know, yeah. it's not like they. So he's barely survived. Everybody was a couple of guys were incinerated. He he made it, but he was burned over. Say, and he had surgery after surgery after surgery, and he'd sit there. And I made the comment to him. I said, "Geez, you know, Mike, you know, because we're talking about a lot of psychological issues yeah. and how guys." He said he wanted to put himself out a couple of times. He yeah. goes, "Don't think you don't think that," yeah. but he realized he would be. He had a good bunch of guys around him. Said, "Dude." Would your guys want you to do that? Why would you take this cowardly way out? You need to go help other guys despite your medical, you know, he's loss of arms. He's got two prosthetics. And yeah. but you know, he, he, you know, he can't have a relationship with women like yeah. you and I may be able to. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, he, he just said, look, Bob, um, I said, yeah, when people are complaining, I mean, I always say, look at Mike, because Bob, Bob, you don't know that because somebody's level of pain or something traumatic that happened to them in life, whether it's physical, in this case, we're talking about physiological and, and mental is that's bad to the in their world that's that's the worst they've ever seen even though for you you could say well mine's worse than yours well how do you how do you quantify how would you say that how would you say to somebody because you got to be careful when we say this like oh give me a break look at so-and-so he's got it worse than you i heard that a lot as a kid they got a lot worse than you so how do we what's the right way of looking at that the right way of looking at that is never comparing 
someone's experience with someone else. Okay, because that's what Mike is Even if you're in the same environment, like my okay. sister was talking about. You could say, I hit it worse than you. Yeah. I saw dad do X, Y, and Z, yeah. and you didn't. You know, okay, Every, gotcha. Everybody responds differently. Um, and the way that our emotional kind of psychological state works is, you know, we've, we've seen, there's been documented cases of, you know, domestic violence in a home, let's say. And, you know, we say, well, the five-year-old and the three-year-old, they witnessed it. They're going to struggle the most. And then we forget about the baby that was in the crib. And that baby hurt someone in kindergarten, right? And you're like, how can that that happen? happen? Yeah, yeah. He was a baby. Like, they weren't aware. No, our bodies are aware of our environment. And our body picks up that energy, that kind of, that spirit that that will allow us to understand that we are in an unsafe unloving environment and that we're under threat and that begins to embed ourselves and one of the things that i'm going to talk about in the seminar is the genetic or the intergenerational aspects of stress and trauma there are documented um, research findings that there is a a a trauma gene that can be up to three generations seen and one of the first kind of fundamental cases that um, found that out was survivors of the Holocaust, right? Three okay. generations later still had impact. Now, they weren't there. No, right. okay, they didn't see it. They so didn't witness it. But there's this intergenerational or epigenetic consequence of trauma and stress. I got to write the epigenetics. Epigenetics of trauma. I got that is. That that's crazy, and and then and three generations later. I gotta stop saying that. I gotta. I, I apologize. I'm not crazy. That's deep. That's I, awesome. That's, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. No, because that explains. Is you're saying this? I'm I'm like flipping out here. I yeah. mean, I, this is. I, let me say a couple things because if this makes sense, I'm gonna try to draw this in here. So, when I was nine years old, mm-hmm. and I hate and I, 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 my dad hopefully won't be listening. My mom listens to these, so she'll probably hear. But I'm. Um, I've had a good talk with my dad. My thing was I confronted my dad years ago Uh on this because I saw it. He almost to the point acts like he he even said he didn't even realize that I saw it. I'm like, Dad, come on. I was there. I was nine years old. I came out to school with us. My sister was at band. So remember, she's older than me. My my dad remarried. I have a half-brother and half-sister, too. They're much younger. But I came out to bus. It was my birthday. And I'm not going to get choked up. I do this all the time. Can't get choked up because you guys are being strong and I am here. So... Okay. Yeah, so mom's getting a crap beat out of her, okay? And so, it, so she kept saying, call your grandfather, call your grandfather, call your, you know, and my grandfather's old Sicilian, old Italian. My dad's Italian, too, at school. He was, I heard this later, he was whipped by a belt by his stepmom. I hear it, and I don't think he's making it. I know he's not making it up. I mean, he has a lot of anger and hate to this day, if yeah. you even bring her up. Although she was good to us grandkids. I don't remember that. You know, she never did. Again, she never did it to me. You know, we're good because we're the grandkids. But, um... But he says that, and I can see that. I'm not making any excuses for him, and I told him that, and he said it too. I don't want you to make any excuses, but he apologized. Mm-hmm. I needed to hear that, and it was good. That was for me to keep working through the relationship. My sister never saw that, mm-hmm. as far as I know. And she says, so I would always say, what the heck does she know? Why does she have to this day? I'm having a relationship with them, right? you know? And I'm able to, very difficult for my mother to understand that, because she's like, in her mind, it's like, how can you even talk to this SOB? Because yeah. of things he did to me. Yeah. And she still, she let that thing, because there's stuff yeah. I didn't see. You see what I'm saying? Similar yeah. thing. So my sister goes in and out throughout her le- life. It's in, it's in, it's insane to watch. Because she's in his graces, then she's not. 
then he may say something that just kind of tweaks her and you don't know what it is. He goes, geez, I didn't say anything. And then now she's we're not talking to him. Then she says she's going to talk to him, then she doesn't. Then she, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, the ambivalency and everything else, is, it's so, it's so mind-boggling. But I'm like, and I made the mistake probably saying like, yeah, what the heck, you didn't see anything like I saw. But I hated my birthdays for years. Like, I didn't really not say hate my birthdays. I just didn't really embrace them yeah. until my, my youngest daughter was born <laughs> right yeah. on my birthday. Right so I got to celebrate all <laughs> so of So, hey, it. we're yeah. back again. You know? So that's what I did with a lot of that. But you can't put that on somebody. Everybody's pain is different. Everybody's Absolutely. pain is different. And I think um, one of the fundamental things that I've learned is that hurt people hurt people, right? So yeah. you have to um, understand. And... We live in a very kind of punitive society, right? Oh, yeah. Look at our prison system. You know, when someone does something bad in, in jail, what do they do? Solitary confinement. Cool. Just And yeah, why do isolation that? is yeah. the most traumatic and kind of know, negative thing you can do to someone. So how do you we're we're yeah. all born for connection, to be connected to one yeah. another. So when someone is isolated, they get sicker, not just psychologically and emotionally, but even physically, and those are the um, those are the types of individuals that now we, we need to be concerned about. So instead of isolating people, I think we need to connect people more. That that could be a better way of of, of, of really helping our folks in, in prison that are not life servers or whatever to get out and be more functional. That that, that you hear about that if somebody misbehaves, you're going in isolation. You see it in the movies all the time, and that's not a good thing. Yeah. Or in parenting, you did something bad, go to your room. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, right, right. How about That's sitting isolation. down and saying, you know, discipline is not getting the switch or a bell or, you know, a chancla, what we call right, it yeah, Spanish, sure, yeah, right? yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. A sandal. A sandal, right? yeah. Watch out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm traumatized with those Puerto Rican chanclas. Louis is saying, look, are you, you, got, you got a little Latino on you, huh? Uh, you, a little you bit, know yeah. a little bit about <laughs> he the chancla. He knows the chancla. Yeah, he knows the chancla. Look at Louis. He's like, he knows what you're talking about. But so. discipline doesn't mean that right, to yeah. physically, you know, punish someone discipline is to teach hey you made this er you know error in judgment i want you to do this this way next time mm. or i didn't like the way you responded in this way i want you to respond in this other way that's disciplining that's teaching um, a child instead of just you know go to your room or you know using some kind of physical punishment to kind of instill kind of some fear that is not helpful you want to be able to you know when i sit down my son is 23 right so yeah. when i you know growing up i never put a hand on him but i always used to say hey i didn't like the way you spoke in this manner or i didn't like the way you acted or reacted in this particular situation i would prefer for you to do it this way or that way right and okay. then that's how you you you, you know, effectively parent i wish you do you know what that, that that's really good because you know even though we look at old testament we start looking at spear and the rod you know oh you can spoil the kid yeah. kind of thing but it doesn't mean to go out and beat the, the living daylights out of the kid but nope. there's a lot of lot to be said there so dr spock is was he crazy or obviously not i mean maybe he was on to something a little bit in the 80s or when he was writing the books about you know because people thought oh you're too soft that's a generation that they're spoiled it had nothing to do with it it's the approach because you're teaching them have control yeah sounds you're like you're teaching, teaching them self-control self okay and, and i think what we have is a lot of parents, you know, again, um, that want to be their kid's friend yeah, rather than bad. parent. And I always tell parents, you're, trust me, your kids don't want you to be their friend. Be their mom. Be their dad. Yeah, right? Because right. that's what they you want. Know, so, um, so don't neglect the fact that 
you know, we have to be able to discipline our children. And it doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to. It's all about teaching them right from wrong, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, so that they can be a connected, loving, uh, um, you know, person in our society. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that is, and I know I'm Beatrice. I see you yeah. nodding. There was a couple times here when I was saying some stuff too. I saw you some similarities that we have because the siblings. Th- if, if you guys could have disagreements, do you have disagreements, you guys at all? And do you see things with the way you guys were brought up, or you guys are pretty much on the as siblings? What do you? What yeah, do you say? Well, we have different perspectives, um, sure. and we we look at life differently. But that doesn't make hers wrong. It doesn't make mine wrong. Right? It's yeah. just a different perspective. Okay, so that's a good way. And to as long Same as goal. it works yeah. for you, right? And you're not hurting anyone, and you're not neglecting someone. That's where this country um, used to be. Yeah. We're all uh, had the same goal to reach, yeah. but we just had different ways of doing it. Now it's like completely yeah, diametrically this, opposed. Right. <laughs> like country, there is only if, one way. If you don't believe like I, like me, I'm gonna delete you from right. Facebook exactly. or social media. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we don't all have to be uniform in everything. That's the problem. Respect one Respect. Another. I yeah. think that's that's the big thing. Um, because like I mentioned earlier, we we had different experiences growing up, even mm. though we were in the same home. We were exposed to you know similar things um but our experiences were were different Mm -hmm. and so um because of that you know i i have my own beliefs and he has his own beliefs but at the end of the day um i think it's respect and i think that it should be that way in the community whether it's in in the home and the um um, within your family realm or even in the community that there should be um a respect level of each other's you know opinions or just the way that we you know deal with things or kind of go about things. Um, But yeah, I think it's it's, it's more respect. And I think, I don't know if it has to do with like a mental health professionals, but I think it's almost like, well, I'm, you know, just the empathy um, piece of it. I'm just going to be empathetic of how you feel and I'm going to understand, be understanding. Um, That doesn't change my perspective or it may, you know, because sometimes I might say, wow, I didn't even think about it, you know, looking at it that way. And so I'm always open. So I think it's up to the individual. Um, But I wanted to ask this real quick. Could this be the neurobiology of trauma? Do you think a lot of this, too, is, and I'm going to leave it at this, and this is just fascinating to me, because I'm thinking of uh, just anybody who's in black America with everything through civil rights and that. You'll see one generation after another, and many people, I've heard this, and I've heard a lot of Caucasians people say this, and you might like, well, come on, you know, I'm not, you know, this, this bit of racism, every time you open your mouth, you're racist. I, no, I did not, it's not what I implied, but but they're coming from a place because they really feel that and understand, like you said, being a little empathetic and understanding there, there's something going on, whether they kept hearing it generationally, but even if they weren't, you've heard people say this too, I'm just going off, off uh, because this is the world we're in, and we need to understand one another, or, or diverse people, but to know that when somebody goes like, gee whiz, you know, um, you know, God, my, my parents didn't enslave their family members. Why are they? Th- why are they getting mad? Why do we always have to do this? What is that something that could be from womb and feeling and hearing and doing it? Because it's a lot of pain from generation of slave all the way back to slavery. Yeah, civil rights horrible in this country. I mean, in modern times, in my lifetime, still. And here we are today. And then Floyd happens. George Floyd, and man, we just can't get past this stuff. Yeah. So one of the things I'll be talking about in that session, neurobiology of trauma, is looking at the Holocaust study and then looking at the impacts of slavery. Okay, good. That's right? what I want to hit. And on, looking at how yeah. there's an intergenerational impact of slavery. And I'm going to, uh, I think I even have a slide in there with a, a, a gene that has been found common 
amongst uh, descendants of slaves, right, um, in right. this country. Because we, but that's that's th- 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 this is incredible stuff. This t- to me, this the, the science. Thank you so much for for bringing this up. <laughs> that we're doing this. This is incredible. I told you. We're gonna get you right. She did tell me. Your sister. This, you're not kidding. We she could go overhype it. Right? We <laughs> could go for two. No, this is good. So we could have gone. It's great to see the love between you two guys. Yeah. You guys do that. But you know my. Sisters up in New York and oh. that, but I wish we would talk more and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, we know where it stands, and you know sometimes I get frustrated. But it's but I'm learning a lot from you guys. And I think that's important. Yeah. Th- you both are great. Thank, Thank you. This you. is good. God Thank bless you, you both. Thank, Thank you, you for your service, to what you both do to community, and awesome. that you had you had this transformation. This is great. A lot to be proud of. Your mom's something else. That's really something. Yeah. Y- young yeah. mama. She did all right. She did yeah. all right. Yeah. Un- she's under still under she some really hard she's still circumstances. She's still she, she ended up getting her bachelor's degree in social work. Got a whole family. And she was the first in our family to get a, d- a degree. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. So that's when it's part. You got a great story. You guys need to write a book. Yeah. Write well, a book. He, he I have working. three. Three. What the heck am I doing? <laughs> I got a lot of Here catching we up we to buy do. Some. Come on. The hot foot we go. There you go. So take a look at us here wherever you get your podcast. We thank you so much. This is a great episode. This is amazing. Of course, you can get us uh, on Apple, Spotify, and, of course, iHeart. Those are ways to connect with us on audio files. If you want to get us visual, you got us at WRBL.com. So you can see the physical brain with the stem, with the thumb. And <laughs> we're all doing it now. And then uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Find me, B. Jeswald, W-R-B-L. Thanks for staying with us here today. We'll see you next week on the Bob Jeswald Show. Thanks, guys. Just kind of do this. It's, it looks like thumbs down, but really it should be this. But. <laughs>